Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland podcast, with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, Ryan, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Haters be damned. The Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield are nine and three. Well, well, well. Welcome in, everybody, to another glorious, glorious Browns postgame show here on Living Off the Land, the Deerfield Gridiron postgame show, to be specific. Uh, I'm Dan here with Steve, and Ryan is remote this evening. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? This is an awesome day. Browns go to Nashville. They beat a team that was in the AFC Championship game a year ago, a team that beat them by 30 points last year. Extremely impressive. Uh, there's just not enough more we can say. We're going to get go through all of it in this episode. This is amazing. Ryan, how we doing? Oh, man, I'm feeling good. I knew it all along. I had no doubt. Never a doubt. <laughs> man, I sure tell you, you what, did. I, I, I'll say this every week. I will happily eat my words uh, if I predict losses and we end up winning. I'm fine with it. I'll be the GOAT. I'll, I'll take the butt of all of the, the, the shenanigans. As long as we keep winning, I don't care. That was – what a game. What a ridiculous game. What a, what a hell of a first half. What a terrifying, very Browns feeling second half. I mean, oh. we got a lot that we can dig into on this one, but wow. Oh, what a game. Sure. It was it was incredible. Um, conspicuous by his uh, silence. I know he tweeted about it one time, but uh, Colin Cowherd, uh, where you at, buddy? Yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks who are going to have to be, uh, either be yeah. quiet. I mean, even Stephen A. Smith tweeted um, saying, "Like, hey man, Baker's balling out. Props to him." You know, I mean, that's you don't usually get that out of Stephen A. So that's exciting. 
Um, yeah. I think Darren Rovell even was talking about he's got to eat dog food now because he didn't think we'd even crack 24 points, and he, he made a dog food bet. Darren, <laughs> so Ravel. now... Darren, Darren Rovell sucks, man. <laughs> guy blows. We May- should put that on a shirt. We should contact, like, uh, GBR May- or Cleveland Clothing Company. Yeah. Or, so Darren we got to get somebody sucks. with a Darren Rovell sucks shirt. Maybe he can get some advice from Corey Cotton of Dude Perfect because he had to eat dog food uh, a few months ago on oh. an episode. So, um yeah, it's not very well, good tasting. Hey, it's better than eating horse crap like Aaron Goldhammer. <laughs> you know what? And I don't mean to poop on anyone's parade right now, but right now <laughs> on, on, on 850 on the way over here, they were literally talking about, and I'm talking about Aaron Goldhammer and Emmett Golden, about the old, they went back to the old thing that they would talk about so many times, like, is the Browns' offense better without Odell Beckham Jr.? Well, like, why is that no. even a talking like, point at this point? Why? They're going to go rag on a guy who hasn't played in six weeks? Really? Yeah, you can crap all over that parade all you want, my man, because here's the thing. it's uh, it, They don't have the usual uh, Baker Mayfield's the problem argument that they can make this week because he went absolutely hog wild. And Bananas. so, okay, so in lieu of the Baker's the problem thing, now we have to find the next issue to go after. And I understand that every game, there's going to be something to dissect. There's always talking points. I understand this, but I'm so tired of this one. This one is just so played out. It's just... Yeah. It doesn't hold up. You know, it's this is a there are a few games, a uh, few sports like football that are so dependent on like all of your teammates. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, you know, baseball, there's a lot of guys, but it doesn't quite at least within the context of play to play, there's so many moving parts and so many different variables. A football game is just, it's crazy. And so to constantly go back to this whole, well, we're better without Odell, the, the offense is totally different with, without Odell. And, and I understand that, that the play calling might be different and the way the game flows might be different, but to simply say you're better off without your superstar freak talent uh, wide receiver is just craziness to me. It's just yeah, a, it's just a tired take. I, like, why is it why is it even a talking point at this point? Like, because there's nothing else. I really right. think. That. I mean, there's at not, this point, there's not much else. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it a little bit. I, I, the defense still drives me insane, but um, you know, they were they weren't terrible today. Um, I give them a lot of credit uh, for holding Derrick Henry in check, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, they Absolutely. did a great job there. Um, but, man, our secondary. And and it's not necessarily all their fault. We're just so decimated with injuries in the back half. Um, but, my goodness, was there and, – and, and, and to our credit, it, it was interesting. It was, like, the game was almost – you know, we were scoring all the points, but the game was almost like mirror images, like, of each other. Um, oh, yeah. In the first half, both teams struggled to get the run going. And luckily for us, we got a couple big runs in the second half from Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, some timely runs to pick up first downs. But there were, and this is for both teams, there were acres of space open in the secondary. Like, I, I'm going to give Baker all the credit in the world. He, he, he played incredible today. He may have played his best game in a Browns uniform, to be completely honest with you. But, I mean, we had guys running wide ass open all day. And I, I give Stefanski a ton of credit for that, uh, schematically and game planning-wise, to get these guys open. But some of it is the fact that the Titans' secondary is actually probably worse than ours, if that's possible. 
They certainly yeah, he, looked it today. Uh, Baker's stat line is unbelievable. 25 of 33, 334 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Of Three of the incompletions were drops at minimum. Uh, one was a th- just throwaway into the back of the end zone. I mean, it's... He was he, uh, he was he, unbelievable today. He, he he was dialed in. He was locked in. I, I think he played his best game um, of his career. There, you know, with Baker, a lot of times when he has these games where he doesn't throw interceptions, there are a couple of those throws where you thought probably could be if like the defender would just catch the interception or something like that. There were none of those today. I mean, he didn't throw a pass near any defender at all today. Did he airmail any pass today? No, no. Not, no, not, not, not. He he looked pretty spot on, and I tell you, I I want to underscore what you were talking about, Dan, with the play calling and Stefanski doing what he needed to do. At the end of the day, uh, it was clear the Titans said we're gonna we're gonna line up as many guys as we can in the box to stop the run, and Baker, we dare you to go beat us, and he did. Yeah. He, he, he showed up. I mean, that was clearly what the Titans were doing defensively. I mean, routinely, seven, eight, nine guys felt like they were lined up right there within five, six uh, uh, yards of the line of scrimmage. Right. And Steph- like Stefanski. that one, um, I think it was um, it was the uh, 75-yard pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones. There was yeah. like like 10, 10 of the 11 defenders were like right there within a couple yards of right. the line of scrimmage. And it was just such a great play call and hey, kudos to uh, Donovan for making up what should have been. Uh, he, oh. he, he dropped what should have been the first time on the first the drive. Yeah. And I will say this though, man, good for Baker, a couple different plays that he had in the red zone where the past few weeks, he's totally just either air, air melded or just lost control of the ball. You yeah. put everything right where it needed to be, uh, especially yeah. in the red zone, which was just so nice to see out of him. Yeah, I think uh, the touchdown to Jarvis, I think, was a little bit of a late read by Baker, but mm-hmm. he made up for it by throwing it on his back hip to where the safety couldn't get over there and make the play, which I thought was great. Um, the pop pass to Kendall Lamb, our backup left tackle for the touchdown, was, was oh incredible. Oh, my gosh, crazy. Um, I love seeing those big boys score touchdowns, man. That's right. Just a, that's just one of the most fun things in the world. Right, and it's it's overlooked, but – but the only way that that pass gets completed is if Baker lollipops that. I mean, if he fires that into Kendall Lamb, there's no oh, chance he catches that not ball. Not a chance. Not but, a chance. But, yeah, he he just, like, lollipopped it over there because there was nobody within 20 yards of Kendall Lamb. So, you know, that was that was great. And then I'll, I'll tell you what, the best pass Baker threw all game was the touchdown to Rashard Higgins. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that was dropping the bucket. Higgins didn't have to break stride. That was a perfect throw. Perfect. And so was the People's Jones throw, by the way, as well. But I was gonna say that was my favorite play of the game, not just because well, yeah, that's, People's that's... Jones ran almost a perfect route. And Anthony said it was a you know, your brother Anthony on text said it was kind of a, a junk route, but that's exactly the way it was. He runs out; it's a one receiver route, three tight ends. You think it's going to be a run? It's not, and he kind of just like stops the route for a split second, and then all of a sudden just does this little curly cue move, yeah. and he's gone. The, the DB completely bought it. The it best, was awesome. the, the best part of that entire play was Baker's play fake on that. Mm. They, the, the Titans had no idea where the ball was. Baker, for one of the things that I think he doesn't get enough credit for is his ball, is his ball handling. But <laughs> enter joke where you want it. Yeah, you rang. Um, but his uh, <laughs> his ability his ability to, to hide the ball on play action passes is incredible. 
and you know, in the same vein as that, his hard count is getting yes. so good. He's, yes. I mean, I mean, I think everyone knows that Aaron Rodgers is the king of the hard count. Nobody, nobody makes defenses pay more for uh, you know offsides, encroachment type penalties. But Baker is quickly uh, developing a very strong hard count, and that's really fun to see because that's not something that you would immediately go to as like a quarterback strength that you look for. But in the, in the game, any advantage you could possibly find, take it, and that's that's really cool to see. Hundred percent. Um, I wonder how often Miles Garrett jumps offside in practice. <laughs> well, he gets, well, he gets called for. Well, he gets called for an offside. It seems like once a game, which we'll take that with the production he ends up getting us giving us. But speaking of Miles Garrett, I was going to get into this. Uh, I was going to get into this later in the show, but no time but but the present to uh, bring this up. Uh, what does what has to happen for? an offensive lineman to get called for holding on miles Garrett. Like, does he have to literally strip him naked? <laughs> you know, I just, you know what it's similar to, to me, it's similar to LeBron James and uh, the NBA sometimes yeah. not getting calls because he's so big, because he's so strong. It's really hard to physically like affect him and make him change course where sometimes you see guys get like pushed over or fall down or, or whatever. Like I think miles is, is insane as it, as it is to say sometimes to his detriment, he's so big and strong that the rest just either don't see or understand that there's a problem or a penalty. It's not an excuse, but that's, that's the best that I can come up with. Right. It, it, it's, it's like, uh, uh, the, the officials who watch the offensive line and defensive line, are looking at Miles Garrett and whatever poor soul has to block him on any given play and is just thinking to himself, like, man, I can't call holding on him. That's literally the only way that he can block him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's almost like it's almost like a sympathy non call, but it's it's getting egregious and it's getting ridiculous. We talked about it and the one play that you're talking about you know the guy it, Yeah, you know it's bad when my wife, Aren, who knows nothing about American Shout football. Out, she from West Africa, she's you know more of the soccer type, but um, she just casually walks by when Tennessee's on one of their final drives in the fourth quarter, and it was one of the plays where Garrett's getting held. In fact, guys holding his face mask, and she just casually asked me, is, "Is he allowed to hold the guy by his head like that?" And I'm like, "No, that's a foul." But yeah, they're right. not calling anything. They're they're not doing their job. The yeah, refs. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there that the the play we were talking about, the guy, and I'm sure all of you saw it on the slow motion replay, our, our listeners out there, the guy literally had his like entire hand inside of Miles' helmet. Like, what do you like? Are you gonna call something there, or like, what's what's going on? You know, that's the Dane Cook. Um, hello. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Miles, he's just a freaking nature, man. Uh, he missed two yeah. games because of COVID. Coming back. And, uh, you know, he, I, I'm interested to see what his snap count was and how much he actually played. I, I did notice a few times where he was, uh, where he was on the sidelines getting a breather on a couple plays, but I mean, the guys missed the last two games with coronavirus, so you can't really expect and, him to play every play. Yeah. And they were saying that it wasn't just like he ended up testing positive and had to go on the list, but he either had mild symptoms or was asymptomatic like some guys, he was legitimately very ill. And so, yeah, even he said that it. his his conditioning he's still a freak athlete but like you can't be ill for a week or two weeks and just 
come back and be immediately ready to go back to NFL level action. So the fact that he played even as much as he did and had a sack, which was great to see, like that's again a testament to him and, and, and who he is as a as an athlete and as a person. Especially when you're when you're a guy like him who gets constantly double teamed, triple teamed, oh, chipped by a running absolutely. back, chipped by a tight end, held on almost every single play. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's gonna take a lot out of you. I don't care how good of how good a shape you are or how good of an athlete you are. Ryan, that's a really good point because, you know, for almost two weeks, it's like no running, no lifting, no organized team activities. Uh, it really, you're just kind of wasting away. You're just kind of just waiting to be able to go again. It, it is hard. That first time you're back on the field, it's just like your legs, even your arms, you just don't feel the same yeah, before, before the outage. Luckily, luckily, he was cleared at the beginning of the week, and it wasn't like a situation where he got cleared on, like, Friday and he hadn't practiced all week. Like at least he was able to get a full week of practice in. Yeah, True. the play where True. he got the sack, he went around the left tackle like he wasn't even there. <laughs> that was yeah. the best part. As he's as he's done uh, a lot of times this year. And um, he went with his uh, his his usual move that attempted a strip sack. It he was, was close too. Yeah, I was, saw it coming down. I was like, oh, he's gonna get it. And luckily yeah. for uh, luckily for Tennessee, t- Tannehill tucked and held on. Wow. If well, Tannehill because... was in a if Tannehill was in a throwing motion, that ball would have been out. But oh, he had the, he sure. had the ball down in his gut, so he was able to hold on to it. But uh, um, well, I, I I tell you what. So I had another thought when we were talking about Derrick Henry earlier. You know. You know, the Browns, I think, Dan, it was you who mentioned that, you know, we started a little bit slow with the run game and and had to adapt. I will say massive credit to the Browns defense for, you know, bending but not breaking. I mean, there were definitely some issues, and we we understood that. And we knew coming in the secondary was going to be an issue. But how about holding Derrick Henry to 60 yards on 15 attempts? And this year, I'm looking at his stats. Only one team has held him to fewer yards, and that was Buffalo, and it was only um, three-yard difference. It was 57 yards. Um, and then today uh, was his first and only fumble of the season. So big-time uh, big time defensive effort to nullify um, who are, many people are calling the MVP of the league, or at least in terms of non-quarterbacks, the, the, the leading candidate for MVP in Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, uh, massive, massive way to step up through 11 games. Derrick Henry had 1,257 yards rushing already and 12 touchdowns. That's insane. Yeah. What's also insane yeah. is that he hadn't fumbled since uh, week 14 of 2019. He has pri- now prior to today. Hey-o. And big props, Sheldon Richardson, huge Shelley. play early in the game. Get, I mean, difference between three nothing and ten, or actually no, ten nothing and seventeen nothing. I mean, that is massive. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, it took Tennessee at least a little bit out of their game plan. I, I did think it was interesting that even with that huge deficit, they were still running the ball a bit in the second half. Uh, the Tennessee didn't get completely out of the game plan. Actually, that was pretty smart on their part. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, when know. they when they scored those two touchdowns within like the first four or five minutes of the second half, yeah, um, you know, they got within seventeen. At that point, you can go back into your um, you can go back into your game plan. But Tennessee did make a. F- pretty fatal error uh when they were making that early comeback 38 13 going for two yep that's just mathematical suicide i just you know it amazes me that at this level coaches continue to not know basic math in situations and <laughs> that kept it a four score game that made it harder for them to come to the method they had to go for two later and again you know i mean did it make a difference in the end no because i mean ultimately the browns recovered onside kicks so it didn't matter but like oh boy thank god but again you know it ended up being a one score game in the end like if on one of those possessions at the end you know Tennessee only needed a field goal instead of a touchdown that may things may have played out a little bit differently 
Yeah. Um, the what was I? Gonna, there was a play. What was I? I, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, the analytics crowd loves the goal. Oh, for that's two what things. I was going to talk about. It, it, there you know, we go. You know what you're talking about? What, down 25, going for two. Yeah. It's like when it's like when these coaches, you know, it's near it's near the end of the game. It's in the fourth quarter, and you score a touchdown to get within nine, and these coaches go for two, like morons. Yeah, this was a just a more advanced example of it with the game being you know 25 point lead instead of nine. But right. It, but it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why on earth would you go for two before you have before you have to? Mm. That was uh, that that reared its head. Uh, was it in the Browns Eagles game? Yes, where the Eagles went for two. Yes, it did early earlier than they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand. Like, I get analytics, and it's it, you know, it's we're getting more analytical uh, with the way we call games, but th- th- like, it's not that it's not that hard of a concept. Why would you go for two before you have to? Unless you have no, I, unless you have no faith in your kicker, I don't. I don't even think it's a kicker faith thing. I think that again, if you're looking at it from the analytics perspective, it's. I don't know what the percentages are, but if 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 there's always like a 51 or 52 percent chance of you getting the on uh, the um, the two point conversion, then I guess theoretically you should do that. But what that assumes or implies is that you're going to have multiple touchdowns, which means you have multiple opportunities to go for it, and. I think that's what uh, was Tennessee's issue is that they didn't have their opportunities until way late in the game. We really right. stole them pretty right. solidly early on. Right. Like I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with teams that go for two like after their first touchdown in the game because you have a whole game to go. Yeah. Like that's fine. But when you're going for two and you don't have to in the fourth quarter, more times than not, you're screwing yourself out of having a chance to come back in the game. Because, it, because it's a, it's a time thing. It's a okay. How many possessions do we think we're still gonna have? And stuff like that. So we don't we need to get too far into it, but um but, but let's give some props to the defense. You know, Tennessee was figuring, okay, yeah. we're gonna go for two, we're gonna hand it off to our guy who's, you know, MVP candidate. What did the Browns do? Stuffed them. Props to Ryan's guy, Sendejo on that play. Gosh, I had, I, dude, I, had t- I had multiple people text me, by the way, well, after that play. <laughs> I'll say this BJ Goodson made the original hit, but <laughs> If Sendejo doesn't come in and clean that up, Henry falls forward from the B.J. Goodson tackle into the oh, end zone. Oh, for sure. For so, sure. Second effort props. on that play. Derrick Henry's so strong and so big. Second yeah. effort. If, if Sendejo's not there, he's easily going in. Props so, yeah, to credit to, 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 to B.J. for being there and, 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 and at least slowing him down. But, you know, <laughs> as much as I love it, Sendejo for sure was definitely needed in that situation. Yeah. He, he also – was around many a blown play all day long, so it I don't was. want to give him. I don't want to get let it get to his head too much, but didn't I will he, say that on that play, he he definitely was important. Did he have the uh, Did he have the interception that got taken off the board by the Kevin? He Johnson? did actually yes, too. I did. almost crapped my pants. I was like, son of a. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to compliment this asshole twice in one game. I can't do this. And two weeks <laughs> in a, and two weeks in a row. I know. I know. He uh, gonna have to I'll start voting what, for him he, for the Pro Bowl. He gets a lot of hate. He you know, gets a lot of hate. You know, maybe it's a bad time for me to mention the fact that Sendejo was actually our leading tackler today that's with not, eight tackles. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> that's, again is, that's not a good stat. <laughs> <laughs> that That's an indictment on the rest of the defense, <laughs> the fact that our yeah. safety was our highest tackler. That is always so discouraging. <laughs> oh. You know, the interception but. that got wiped off the board, I, I think that, that was the right call. Defenseless receiver guy got hit in the head. Uh, oh, guy Ryan, with the helmet, Ryan helmet, helmet on so. it. 
I don't like that call. So here's the thing. I understand there was definitely contact between their helmets. You can't dispute it. It's literally on tape, but I understand that. My issue is with the rule. I don't think that on that play, in that instance, he led with his helmet. Like, that wasn't a, like an intentional oh, agreed. lowering of the I agree head to use it as a weapon. I have an issue. By the letter of the law, it technically was the correct call. I just yeah. don't like the way that it, that that rule is interpreted right. or is written, I should say, just because I think that it's problematic. He led with his shoulder. It's like your, your head is attached to your shoulders. So I, I don't yeah. know when things are going that fast. These guys are flying around. If a, if a receiver just simply lowers his head a little bit and I'm a defender trying to go tackle, if the sides of our helmets make contact, now I'm getting popped for a, a helmet-to-helmet. I just, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty soft call. Uh, again, technically, probably one of those calls that's correct, but here's, I just, I don't like it. Here's what I'll say. Um, if the NFL had the college targeting rule in effect, I believe that that would have been called targeting on the field, but because they review every single targeting, I think the penalty would have come off the board because – uh, you would have been able to see in slow motion via replay that it wasn't his intent to hit him in the helmet. He wasn't launching right, with his helmet. Right, right. The problem is with the NFL is they don't have the rule set up like that, which I'm actually glad that they don't because I think the targeting rule in NCAA is an absolute travesty because they have no idea how to call it. But for our sake, the way that the rule's written, and like you said, Ryan, that that's actually a pretty, you know, pretty good take by you is – um, these guys are moving so fast, it and it's so especially in the heat of the moment when you know guys are flying all over the field, and it's not a reviewable penalty. Which maybe they should make it a reviewable penalty, but then that mucks up the game even more. Um, I would just I say, just I just I, there, there's no way to be able to judge intent uh, like that without having the ability to go back and look at it on replay. That's my thing. So, like, yes, it's clear that he makes helmet-to-helmet uh, contact with him, and that's what draws the flag. But if maybe they had a replay similar to what targeting is in college, they go back and you can you can say that, okay, he wasn't, he wasn't launching, he didn't lower his head to initiate contact with his helmet. It was a situation where he tried to hit him with the shoulder and the chest, and his helmet grazed the receiver's helmet. You know, I think in general – and this was not one of those situations. This was kind of an unlucky play, but there are situations where the defense has to be smarter. This wasn't the same drive, but there was a there was a drive later where it was fourth and twelve, and we got flagged for defensive holding. That that is like, what are you doing? Yeah, that is. There's no uh, there's no shades of gray with that one. That was clearly holding. And that was bad. I'll say this. I'll say this. And again. I want to get on the defense so bad because we gave up 28 points in the second half, and and for what for God knows, it never should have been that close. But I will say that MJ Stewart, who credit to him, he had the the uh, ball popped up in the air interception uh, a little bit later in in the I think in that same drive. I could be wrong. Yes, uh, it was actually. But he's not on the field. Usually, if if our guys are healthy, he's a special teams guy. He's a depth guy. He's not on the field. He's playing the the position where Kevin Johnson has been playing most of the year, while Denzel Ward has been healthy. Denzel goes out. Kevin Johnson has to slide to Denzel's spot, and MJ Stewart has to come in and play the uh, the uh, slot position on defense. So that's not to excuse him, but it's a guy that 
probably not used to being in on the field in that situation. And credit to the receiver who, uh, you know, it was his route, but noticed that the guy was pl- like MJ Stewart was blanketing him. So what he did was he turned around, let MJ Stewart's momentum run into him and then end up holding him. So that was a tough situation. Yeah. It's never acceptable to have that happen on fourth down, but you know, thankfully we were able to come back and get the turnover credit to same guy, MJ Stewart, who made the interception. Um, and ultimately it didn't hurt us, but yeah. And, and I'll tell you what the, you know, we lament the fact that, and they were good today. The Browns defense was, was pretty good today. Uh, mainly because they were given chunks up all second half. The Titans didn't get to third down a lot. But I didn't think that there was a team out there that was worse on third down on defense than us. But, my <laughs> God, it's Tennessee. Yes, sir. Do, can, do you have the stat, the team stats there to, to see exactly what the Browns were on third down? Uh, yeah, I know at one point in the game they were seven of eight. Uh, yeah. That was just before they. Uh, yeah, they were. That was just before they punted the first time. I in think. The third quarter. I think they might have ended nine of eleven or nine of twelve. Like you can't, you can't, you can't lose if you're if you're that good on third down. You just won't lose. Yeah, because you're not going to give the ball up. Yeah, and then conversely, if you're that bad on third down on defense, you can't win. It was like what happened when we played the Raiders. We just could not get off the field and couldn't get the ball back. I also wonder what time of possession was. Because I know in the first half we had the ball the entire first half pretty much. Oh god, the first half was hilarious. It yeah. was it was it was like we were watching the Raiders game only it was reversed. It was us who were who were in control. Right. That and was... then, and I thought in the second half it was a little more balanced just because Tennessee had the ball uh they had more opportunities at it, but when Tennessee scored, they scored quick. So I, I think we held the ball probably a lot in the second half too. The Browns ended up ten of sixteen on third down in this game. Okay. They failed to convert like their last three or four yeah. In the game, uh, time of possession. I'm trying to see. Yeah, time of possession was 37 minutes for the Browns, 23 minutes for the Titans. Yeah, which I mean was, that was pretty similar to the Browns Raiders game, um, except conversely, the Raiders had the ball for that long. At one point, middle of the second quarter, it was about 18 to six in the yeah. Browns' favor. So that was the majority of the advantage they held to the end of the game. And then, lastly, the last negative I think I really have: um, we got to clean up the penalties. That was bad today. That was a big I reason why just, the Titans got as close uh, as they did. In yes. the end. Yeah, I, think, I was just looking at that. Net. So 13 penalties for the Browns for 92 yards in total. Yeah. That is that is very uh, – it's hard to win that way. And so I'm glad that we had such a big cushion early on because, frankly, you know, if, if, if we didn't, that this is a game that could have slipped away because of all those mistakes and all of those stupid penalties. Yeah, we had a couple, we had a couple more holdings on the offensive line, which – uh, you combine that with last week, and in two games, we probably have more holding penalties than we have all year. That's um, really frustrating, considering that they wouldn't throw a holding flag on Tennessee. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But uh, we also had a number of penalties on special teams, which we really hadn't had the majority of the year. I think we've been pretty good with penalties on special teams, but I think in total we had like four penalties on special teams, probably. Or even even maybe five. I think one of the punt returns we had two holding calls, and obviously you can only accept one of them. But um, but yeah, we had a lot of penalties on special teams. That's just stuff that needs to get cleaned up. Um, you know, Tennessee is a physical football team, just like we are. So you know, maybe in this type of game, penalties are going to be uh, up. But uh, you know, we 
we're, we can't do that moving forward, especially if we're going to be playing January football, which we're going to get to in a couple minutes, because I want your guys' take, because I know I'm a homer, but I – well, anyway, we'll talk about it in a couple minutes. But, but yeah, the penalties need to get cleaned up. Yeah. Well, and so sort of tied to that is, you know, when you talk about penalties with teams, it's usually tied to discipline and coaching and all that jazz. And one of the things that I found incredibly frustrating, and I'd like to hear what you guys think, is so many times the Browns get dogged for for decisions that are made that I don't hear similar complaints about. For example, you know, last was I think it was last week when we were it was third and really short and we ended up passing the ball. Kareem Hunt should have caught the pass from Baker. Baker could have thrown a better ball or whatever. And that drive ends up stalling. Well, on third down, it was early in the game. On third and, again, short, Vrabel decides to throw to a lineman. They brought in an extra eligible lineman. Yeah. And I hear nobody, like no announcers, nothing on Twitter. Nobody says anything. I'm like, why are we not criticizing that kind of, again, with Derrick Henry, the alleged uh, debatable MVP running back that you have? On third and one, why are you not, you know? Agreed. That's a why are you great not going that point. Route? Agreed. And then I, or, or or the, you know, we're talking about. We talked a little bit about the analytics earlier and going for it on second, um, or for the two point conversion, maybe unnecessarily. I hear like I haven't heard anybody kind of outside of us, and maybe it's just a, a, a symptom of us being in our own little Browns echo chamber. But I just I get so tired of the questioning of our coaching or the play calling or the whatever. When it's not really unique to Kevin and his organ and his, his staff, it's just kind of part of life in the NFL. These things end up happening. When you make good calls, uh, you're you're a genius and you're a guru and you're all this stuff. And then when you when things don't go your way, you're a bum and you're reckless. And I don't know. I just get tired of that. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you, and and I'm I'm guilty of that. And I think just from a local perspective, I know for us, and I think I think your gripe is more from the national media perspective, but. Uh, but for us, I know it, I think it's just because for us, we're so hyper focused on the Browns and nobody else that like, it's, it's every single move we're scrutinizing good or bad. Um, the national media. Yeah. I don't understand it. I, 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 I lack the understanding for the amount of hate that Browns, that the Browns right. get. We haven't been right. good in two and a half decades. Why are like, like why, why aren't people hating on like, yeah, I know they're having a down year, but why aren't people hating on the Patriots? They've won six Super Bowls in the last two decades. Like, we haven't been to the playoffs since 2002. Why are these national media types hating on us? And I guess, yeah, okay, maybe maybe the team talked a little too much trash last year without winning anything. That was last year. Like, uh-huh. that's, that's not this year. The Browns don't talk at all this year, and credit to Stefanski for buttoning that up. God, I love it. Um, but why are we still... Um, why are the Browns still paying for sins of past regimes? And I know a lot of the players on this year's team are from last year's team, um, but uh, it's a whole new year, man. Like, like start, come up with something. Like, I guarantee you, I, I, I guarantee you, and we talked a little bit about Colin Cowherd being conspicuous by his absence on social media today. I guarantee you in his show tomorrow, he's going to say, well, the Titans have a horrible secondary, and and his receivers are wide open. Like Baker should be hitting those receivers. Like he should have three hundred uh, yards and four touchdowns. Like this isn't like something that's like that's like fantastic. Like like against blah, blah, the blah, team blah. that's eight and three right. in their house, team that was you in the conference final last year. Like you like know are it's you... coming. Anyway, well, that was. 
I tweeted about this too. So the uh, the announcers for our game today was Ian Eagle, and I think it was I forget who the uh, other guy Charles was. Charles Davis. But yes, they were talking about how you know if if the uh, if the Titans had won this game, this would have been a game that would have bolstered their resume and would have cemented them as an elite uh, team in the, uh, the the title race and blah 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 blah. But I'm like, pause, wait, pause. How, yeah. how can the Browns simultaneously? be pushovers and taking advantage of a bad schedule and overrated and all this jazz but then a win over us somehow catapults you to the front yep. of the race in the afc i'm like you can't have it both ways yep. you can't like pick your narrative and stick with it we're either bums and we're, we're beating up a bad schedule or we're a team to be reckoned with pick one make up your mind well to be fair i don't think ian eagle and charles davis feel the same way as the you know folks on ESPN do, um, there was actually a discussion in the third quarter of the game where Ian and Charles were talking and, and they said, you know, the Browns are getting penalized, you know, unfairly for, you know, beating the teams that are on their schedule. Uh, you know, that truly, is, that. truly they are seven and zero against teams that are below 500, only one entering today. They're only one and three against teams over 500, but, um, yeah, they, they actually discussed that at, at length, um, early in the third quarter. And, and, yeah, but, and again, like, I, I don't like why is that such like it's what that's what they were talking about all week was oh they've only beaten the Colts like that's their only like solid win yeah we lost to the Ravens yeah we lost to the Steelers and we got crushed by both of them but it's like okay now we're two and three against uh really good teams so it's like what what more do you want from us we're beating all the teams that that we're better than and we're about 500 against teams that are about as good or maybe a little bit better than us. Like, what do you want? Like, that, do the Browns yeah, have you, to win every single game for people to, like, give them credit? Yeah, it, I mean, it feels like it. It's just that the good teams handle the games that they're supposed to and win at least 50-50 or more than 50-50 of the games that are toss-ups with other good teams. And 100%. so far, we're close to that. Coming in today, like you said, we're one and three, so now we're two and three against other teams above five hundred. That's extremely common across the NFL. I mean, short of Pittsburgh this year being undefeated, short of what the Saints being, I think nine and two or ten and two. Like, I mean, there's a couple of teams out there that have very few um, losses, but gosh, we're we're right. We're, this is a nine and three team for crying out loud. Like what? <laughs> right now, there's only guys. Here's what it comes down to: for the remaining schedule, let's say. The, the trend continues. The Browns beat the teams they should, meaning they beat the two New York teams, and we split Baltimore and Pittsburgh. We're a 12-4 and four football team, and for some people, that's still not good enough. Even right. though they'll because be our the quality best. of the schedule or because the manner in which we did lose some of those games. And people don't remember that that's, that early Steelers loss and that early Ravens loss were so early in the season. I mean, Stefanski well, Yeah, still the Ravens game was literally Stefanski's first game. Right. Yeah. And, so, and, and un- yeah, admittedly, the Steelers game was an egg, but what, what NFL team doesn't lay an egg at least once a season? Oh, my gosh. Name I one. mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, and the Raiders took a last-second Hail Mary effort to barely beat the oh, Jets we're, we're about mean, like, to get We're about to get into that in the around the oof. NFL segment, but yeah, my smoke. God. So, yeah, just, <laughs> Greg Williams. <it> who, <laughs> Greg Williams has got to be the only guy in NFL history to send a, a blitz on a Hail Mary. You know, sounds about right. The last time the Browns played the Ravens, the Ravens were at full strength. It was opening day. The Browns, you know, new system, new coaches, new coordinators, everything. 
it, it was it was a perfect situation. And it was the game was in Baltimore too, so it was a perfect situation for the Ravens to take advantage. This time, the Ravens are the ones who are wounded, who are not playing very well. Yeah, Browns you know are riding a four game winning streak. You know it's going to be great. And is, the game's on ESPN. It's on Monday night. Uh, you know what's great is uh, let's assume that Baltimore is going to win on Tuesday. They're playing the Cowboys, so let's just assume. Although. They still have a lot of guys out. They really so. ought to. But Lamar Jackson's going to be back for that game. So let, let's assume that that the uh, that the Ravens are going to win. So that makes us nine and three. That makes the Ravens seven and five. Even if the Ravens beat us next week on Monday Night Football, we're still above them in the standings with two games against the New York teams in hand. And even better, if you beat Baltimore, well, it we beat guarantees Baltimore. that you're going to finish ahead of them. It, if we beat Baltimore, we clinch playoff spot. Um, I think that's the, oh, that's even better. Yeah, I think and and we could we could almost effectively knock them out. I mean that that would be yeah, their because that would that would push them to seven and six. That would be their sixth happen. loss, and then it, then they get into a scenario where they're looking at tiebreakers with the Colts, with the mm-hmm. uh, with the Raiders, who you know thank their lucky stars they won today. But yeah. uh, I mean they they almost knocked themselves out of the playoffs today if they fall to six. Uh, and six. You lose to the Jets, you just like you should just go home right yeah, then exactly. and there. Like yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, and, so uh, it it is it is right there for. I mean, I think five thirty eight has the Browns um, playoff projection or percentage of making the playoffs right now at ninety three percent. So that means ninety three times out of a hundred, the Browns uh, are making the playoffs with their current record and what they have left. So. I mean, I, to me, the Browns are going to finish eleven and five or better because, what, what, you know, what did we just talk about? They've they've beaten every single team they should beat this year, and they have at, they have two more two more games against teams that they unequivocally should beat. So if that holds true, the Browns are winning eleven games, and they're and we're going to the playoffs. I mean, if the Browns win eleven games, there's not it's not mathematically possible to hold us out of the playoffs. No. It's really not. So, but I hope we go twelve and four, and I hope we beat the beat the Ravens. And and who knows the way the Browns are playing right now? At let you know, st- I'm I'm drunk right now. On I was the Browns, but. I was just gonna bring up this point. <laughs> this is where you're going with this, Dan. If the Browns it's- win next Monday night, and the Steelers lock up the number one seed before they play us in the last week of the season, I think the Browns are finishing thirteen and thirteen and three. Can you imagine? Need, need Kansas City to lose another game before that. Can you imagine? Oh my God! If the Cleveland Browns go thirteen and three, I, I don't know. That's wild. That would be that would be pretty wild. So one um one one more thing, and I, you guys don't know this. So you know what my favorite part about the Monday Night Football game is? What's that? I'm gonna be there. Oh, look at this guy! Yeah, good old. Uh, Jen, I love you, my dear. My girlfriend got me tickets for my birthday, so Aww, we are going to be nice. there. Shout out, Jen. Freezing our brains uh, out, unfortunately, but uh, it's a good time to have a have a December birthday. You better bring that dub and, home. Oh, absolutely. You better believe I'm going to yeah. be belligerent. I don't care. We could be in the front row. We could be literally the upper of the upper decks. I'm going to be out of my gourd. I'm not going to work on Tuesday. <laughs> I am going to be 
<laughs> you might not want me tweeting for that game. So what I'm you're be what a you're problem. what you're saying is you will not be on the post game show. Well, absolutely not. Or well, I'll call in. I'll just leave. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, call, call in. I'm going to leave like a 30 minute voicemail, just me rambling, stream of consciousness, and you can just go ahead and post that. <laughs> you got to scream extra loud because you're six feet away from everybody there. So yep, absolutely. Yeah. So it's anyway, be absurd. Browns win 41-35 in Nashville. Nine and three on the season, ninety-three percent chance of making the playoffs right now. If the Browns take care of business next week and beat the Ravens, the Browns will be going to the NFL playoffs. Um, but before we get out of here, let's go to Steve and let's go around the league. All right. So you look at the totality of the AFC today. It's a good thing the Browns won this game because they didn't get a whole lot of help elsewhere. No, they got a ton um, of help last week. We'll actually start down in sunny Florida. Uh, Miami Dolphins, they took care of business, defeating the Bengals 19-7. to Miami is now 8-4, and which I think is like Brian Flores has got to be in uh, Coach of the Year uh, consideration along with Brian Stefanski. Brian Stefanski? Brian Stefanski, Brian Flores. <laughs> um, crazy. Yeah, so Miami's still right in the, in the middle of this hunt, um, along with Tennessee, obviously, who's 8-4, and four, and so is... Couldn't find it needed, there for a second. Needed that. Um, and so is Indianapolis. They are now 8-4 and four as well. They go to Houston today. Yeah, oh, geez, beat, we got no help. They beat the Texans 26-20. to 20. So now you've got the— Thanks a lot, Jordan. Indy and Tennessee are now both tied at 8-4 and four atop the AFC South. I'm actually not sure who has tiebreaker there. They split the season series. And then there's just the plain ridiculous— the Raiders were looking oh, like their God. season was going to be all but over. Screw you, Greg Losing Williams. to the Jets, and somebody had the bright idea of calling an all-out blitz in a Hail Mary situation. And 46 yards later, the Raiders have a 31-28 to win over the Jets, temporarily keeping their season alive at 7-5. and The Jets are 0-12. I can only suspect that the Jets— must have done this just so that on they could, purpose. yeah, on purpose so that they could, you know, secure the number one pick or something. So here's the situation, Ryan. I don't know if you saw the play, but uh, it was uh, the Raiders are right around midfield, like Steve said, 46 yard line, and there was 10 seconds left. I don't think the Raiders had any timeout, so it was like, okay, let's just throw one up. Everybody knew it was coming, and Greg Williams decides to call a blitz and leave uh, a corner on an island with the fastest man on the field, Henry Ruggs, when you know it's just going to be a straight go route. They didn't think, oh, let's have safety help over the top just in case maybe our guy gets beat off the line. No, let's just call an all-out blitz and leave our guy on an island, and then Derek, all Derek Carr has, literally has to do is just throw the ball to the end zone because Henry Ruggs is going to beat the defender there, and they score a touchdown. Unbelievable. Darrell Revis isn't walking through that door. On even if even if you had Darrell Rivas, no defensive coordinator would be stupid enough to call that to call that blitz when you know a Hail Mary's coming. Yeah, that was I, I remember seeing on Twitter there was all kinds of talk about, oh my gosh, the Jets just uh cost themselves a chance at Trevor Lawrence and blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden later it was just a flood of LOL Jets, oh my god, Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I was like, what the heck happened? Yeah, Greg Williams. And, uh, wow. Yeah, unbelievable. And maybe that was Greg Williams just trying to screw the Browns one more time. I mean, you know, all the Browns got to do is keep winning. But uh, Greg, uh, Greg Williams was definitely the uh, hashtag a-hole. of the week. <laughs> yeah. 
You mentioned the Saints earlier, uh, Ryan. The uh, Taysom Hill actually threw his first touchdown pass as an NFL quarterback, uh, and the Saints got it done on defense in this game. They defeat the Falcons 21 to 16. The Saints are now 10 and 2. They're one of only three teams in the whole league that have more wins than the Browns right now. The Chiefs and the Steelers are the others. Um, going further down the board, the the Bears who had a really good game from Mitchell Trubisky until I guess when it really counted. They were up by three points late. Lions got a strip sack, which led to a, a, the game-winning touchdown. The Lions come from behind and beat the Bears 34-30. The Bears have lost six straight games. That is uh, that leaves both teams at 5-7 and seven, uh, and pretty much out of the mix. Yeah, and the Bears are probably going to be looking for a new quarterback and a new head coach next year. That's a sad truth. I, You know... Trubisky uh, threw for almost 300 yards and two touchdowns prior to that. That's yeah. They've uh, the that regime has tried their best to to destroy Mitch Trubisky, mm. and they're succeeding yeah, so, right I now because they keep him. losing. I really do. I mean, yeah, he's not he's not he's not the greatest, but he's gotten the the short end of the stick there in Chicago. That's for sure. And you figure on a day in which the Bears score 30 points, you know, with their defense, that should have been no problem, but. Not the case. The Lions uh, get it done there. In the I'm having a bad day department, Dan Bailey, the Vikings kicker, <laughs> missed Yikes. two extra points and a field goal in overtime, which would have won the Vikings the game on their – well, actually, it would have put them up by three on the first possession. But there's a swerve because he got another chance with less than two minutes left to go in overtime. This time he made it, and the Vikings defeat the Jaguars 27-24. to So Joe Schobert, who had a pick six in this game, (laughs) when Dalvin Cook wasn't looking for the pass. Hey, Jacksonville. They were probably the team that was most pissed off when they walked in and saw the Jets result. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I don't know who would have ended up uh, being in the catbird seat there, you know, at one and eleven. But uh, you know, that's on brand for Jacksonville. Joe Silbert making plays and they still lose. <laughs> uh, going to the four o'clock window here um, in the why am I even mentioning this game department? Patriots thirty-five, Chargers zero. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, hey, for for all the trouble that the Patriots have had, what's the one thing that uh, Bill Belichick doesn't lose to? He, he doesn't, doesn't lose the Chargers. No, he doesn't lose to rookie quarterbacks or rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't know if he ever has, to be honest with you. Yeah, so New England easily there. Wow. Um, it, you know, we've been counting the Giants as a win here, and I know we're feeling really good about ourselves right now, but the Giants are actually winning in Seattle right now. They're head oh, f- they've they've been playing very well over the last month. 14-5 to five with 11 minutes left. Their defense is holding Seattle out of the end zone in this game, Yeah, you know, which is really impressive. Now, there's still time for them to blow this game. You know, and they, this, is, this is with Colt McCoy at quarterback. But some say he's a ninja. <laughs> See that's yeah. I wanna I'm gonna go back and toot my own horn. I've not been counting the Giants as is a is a walk on a walk in win. Like that that team, it's gonna be a tough. They are game. playing yeah. above the level of their talent. They are definitely uh, working well as a unit. Uh, Joe Judge will probably be. He's not gonna get serious consideration for coach of the year because of their record. But 
if he were like a top five, you know, finalist for that uh, award, I wouldn't argue with you, uh, he, with you on it. You know he's he's they, done a really good job. You know what? You know what turned their entire season around is when uh, he got into a, a fist fight with his offensive line coach in, one day during practice, and then he, yeah. right after that, he fired the offensive line coach. <laughs> that was like a month ago, and they've been they've been great ever since. Like they, that galvanized them. Like it was really really interesting. Some really weird stuff happens when you just get a lot of people with a lot of testosterone, and there's yeah. just some weird after effects. I mean, I, yep. in quarantine, yeah, well, say nothing of that. Uh, elsewhere in the four o'clock window, the Eagles, as usual, are stinking up the joint. They're they're oh, at Lambeau awesome. Field against the Packers. The Packers are leading twenty to three at the end of the third quarter. Does Doug Peterson okay. come back next year as Eagles coach? Uh, boy, I. Jeffrey Lurie, they kept putting the camera on him during last night's Monday or last week's Monday night game. He, the Eagles owner, he did not look happy. I mean, the guy won you a Super Bowl, but do you think that this situation with Peterson and Wentz, like obviously Wentz is going to be the quarterback next year because he has literally an immovable contract for at least the next year. Like you can't get off it, and nobody's going to trade for it the way he's playing. Um, so. You're going to have Wentz. Do you maybe make the move to try and bring somebody in who maybe could help fix Wentz? Like, I, I don't know. I think at the very least their coordinators are going to be gone. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, that'll be a, a situation for them to have to deal with. The Packers, meanwhile, are going to go to 9-3. and three, And the Packers. And they are in firm control of the NFC North. They, You know, if it were me... I'd say they'll end up with the number one seed in the NFC. I think the the Saints will drop a game or two. Yeah, down it's going to the be stretch. them and the Saints. I think, especially if the if the if the Seahawks end up losing to the Giants today. Yeah, Giants actually just added a field goal. They're up seventeen to five with ten minutes left. That is wow. that is a shocking score. I could I could easily see them losing nineteen fifteen though or nineteen seventeen. Meanwhile, the team that might uh, be in line to take advantage of what's going on in Seattle, the L.A. Rams, Rams. who are in a big game against the Arizona Cardinals and they are up 24 to 14 with about 14 minutes left in that game uh the Rams had a pretty miserable defeat last week to San Francisco so this this would certainly make up for that Mm. uh I believe if if the scores remain the way they are that the Rams and the Seahawks would both be eight and four and the Cardinals I think would be six and six and really be on the outside looking in yeah they've that, that this would be their third straight loss yeah the Cardinals are going in the wrong direction at a bad time for them to do so. Ha uh, ha! Huh. Feel so uh, world's smallest violin to all the all the people who uh, said Kyler Murray is better than Baker Mayfield. No, that's not a very good take today. Nope. Uh, going to the night games here. You got Denver playing at Kansas City. I have no idea why NBC didn't flex out of this game uh, earlier <laughs> in the week. Can't believe like why why was our game not moved to which. We won, so I'm glad our game was played when it, when it was. But we not have to do this podcast on a Monday, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, I mean, we we do it whenever. I mean, that's, that's right. there's no rule that says we got to do it at five thirty or six p.m. on a Sunday. But uh, Kansas City hugely favored to win this game. That would get them to eleven and one if they were to win it. Broncos come in four and seven. They're not going anywhere, even if they win this game. Monday, we've got a doubleheader of games at uh, in the highly coveted five o'clock time slot on Monday afternoon the Steelers <laughs> will face the football team you know being a Pittsburgh fan's got to be weird right now you play the game at four o'clock on a Wednesday and now a five o'clock on a Monday <laughs> and, but 
They're 11 and, and, and 0. And it's not, so. not of anything they did. It's because the freaking Ravens can't keep. And before uh, them, it, you know, they had issues with the Titans earlier in the year. Um, yep. There was some commenting out of the Steelers organization just how, you know, they're getting really ticked off I mean, some of I mean, these other teams. F, F the Steelers, but they've really gotten screwed <laughs> with with uh, all these teams getting uh, shellacked with COVID. You know, maybe they'll end up having to play a playoff game but, on Tuesday or, but I'll say or this. something. I'll say this. You look at this game, and it uh, looks like a guaranteed Steelers win. Uh, with the with the Giants, if the Giants results hold, Washington is going to play desperately on uh, tomorrow night to uh, to get that game uh, because they'll have to hold serve with uh, the Giants. With the Giants, because the Giants, if they hold on, are going to move to five and seven. The football team is four and seven. So, in the highly, highly and hotly contested NFC East, the Steelers didn't look so great a week ago. The Steelers, against, like this, against is, this a very is, beleaguered Baltimore. This is sour team. grapes, and this is me hating on the Steelers because, well, I hate the Steelers. But are they the league's worst undefeated undefeated team in league history? You certainly. You look at the the great undefeated teams of years past. Like, I'm you know, convinced. The, I'm literally convinced that the Steelers are going to lose their first playoff. The '98 Broncos, the 2006 Colts. You know, a lot of these teams that started 13, 14, and 0. They looked a heck of a lot better doing it than the Steelers do. Now, does that mean the Steelers can't win the Super Bowl? No, it doesn't. But, right. I mean, you just get the feeling that they are just— If the Steelers get matched up with the Chiefs, I, there's no way the Steelers are going to win that game. I, you wouldn't think. I mean, I don't think anybody can—I I don't think anybody's going to beat the Chiefs, to be honest with you. I mean, I made this comment on text earlier in the week. I, I'm The way the bracket is working out for the Browns, I think it's great. Right yeah. now, they're looking at either you know Indy, Tennessee, or Buffalo in round one. Which yeah, we've, and then we've Steelers in round two. two of those teams, and I don't think there's, I don't think there's much you can say about the Browns uh, beating Buffalo. I mean, obviously it'd be a toss-up game. Buffalo fans would say the same thing, but there's no reason to think we can't beat Buffalo. That's a nice segue, actually, because the Bills are playing. Well, I should. They're technically playing at the 49ers. The 49ers got evicted from their home stadium yeah, because they're playing in Arizona. Right? They cannot. There's no sporting activities in the Bay Area right now, so they're playing yep. in Arizona. Uh, Buffalo comes in eight and three. Forty ers come in at five and six. Forty ers if they win this game, could still be on the periphery of the playoff discussion. Absolutely. Um, Bills win this game, they would really. I mean, they need to win this game actually to stay ahead of Miami, who is you know amazingly eight and four. So that's yeah. that's a, you know that might be the best scenario of all if the Browns actually go to Miami for that first round playoff game. Could be. Yeah, that's on the table too. Hundred percent. And then Tuesday, to round out the week, you got the Ravens at six and five playing against the Cowboys at three and eight. I mean, if the Ravens don't beat the Cowboys, then their season is over. Fold up the tents; they're done. Like, what's the guy? Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, hopefully the Cowboys win. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a bigger Cowboy fan than uh, Hannah Vegas is on Tuesday. <laughs> Guaranteed. Shout out Hannah. Well, because like uh, she loves the Cowboys, right? And right. I'm not questioning her fandom at all. I know she loves the Cowboys, but if your team's three and eight, are you really still invested that much in your season? Probably not. No, I'm going to be hugely invested in that game because if the Cowboys can somehow beat the Ravens, uh, I will be a pseudo Cowboys fan for the foreseeable future. And sorry, Steve. And uh, it'll be amazing because it will pretty much. I mean, like we said, fold up the tents for the Ravens, like. They're done. Their goose is cooked. So go Cowboys. And that's it. Yeah, we pretty much went over all the seedings and everything. Yeah. So uh, so 
anyway, the Browns win today, nine and three. 750 win winning percentage for the Cleveland Browns. Incredible. But the thing that sucks is we have we're nine and three and we have no chance of winning our division, probably. Unless the Steelers just like crap themselves. I mean, yeah. They'd have to lose two of their next four and then you know, and we'd have to get them it, on the final day of the season. How much does it suck? The year that we're actually good and we're nine and three, that we essentially can't even celebrate it because nobody can tailgate. Hardly anybody can go to the games and you know, people are leery of going to bars to watch the games. So everybody's like stuck at home watching the game, like either by themselves or with their immediate family, which is great. But in a year where we should be drunk on many things, AKA winning alcohol, all that, and celebrating this uh, great season we're having, we can't. You know, I actually made a, a mention of this to Arend that, you know, had this been a normal year, we might have all been gathered together for this game, you know, with it being a game of this magnitude, two, eight, three of the games. games. And how much games. we would have been cheering, clapping, shouting. Oh. Every touchdown the first half, I mean, it would have been just an absolute party for the most part. I mean, some, there might have been a little bit of nervousness in the second half, but, like, it's just – you know, it's just different in this environment. But uh... what was funny was I was I was at my parents' house watching the game, and my my brother Anthony, who I call him a noted Baker hater because he just he just doesn't like Baker. Oh, he is. Give him any credit. Um, uh, the touchdown pass to Rashard Higgins. He he sends a text in our text uh, chain with me, my my two brothers, him and my other brother Mike, and then Steve and his brother Matthew. Nice pass. Period. No, like. <laughs> No exclamation point. No, like, hell yeah, Baker, great play. Just nice pass, period. He hates the fact that he has to uh, throw his Baker hate away for a week. Hates it. He hates it. It's burning up inside him. But That's, uh, that's the difference between a hater and a realist slash slight pessimist like Ryan. You know, Ryan doesn't hate <laughs> I like that. Thank well, you. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan's all in on the Baker. He, he's he's co-captain. He's co-captain with. He's my first mate on the uh, on the Baker train. But, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, as far as as far as actually picking Browns games, yeah, he's he's realist with with a slight pessimism. But that's, that's okay. Fair. We're, that's we, like we said, we haven't been good in two and a half decades. Yeah, it's really hard not to be <laughs> given the you know, course of history. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we're rambling uh, just because we want to savor this and uh, enjoy it. But that's going to do it for us for the LOTL Deerfield Gridiron postgame show. Uh, thanks to Steve. And then thanks to Ryan for calling in and being with us. Um, we will catch you guys next week. Big game. Uh, slight programming note. That is a Monday night game. So we're not exactly sure when that postgame show is going to come out. So uh, keep, uh, Keep it locked on our social media at the LOTL podcast, and uh, we'll we'll let you know. So, um, I'll tell you what, real quick uh, before we bounce, do yep. you guys see us winning that game? Oh boy! Uh, After what I saw today, yes, I do. Yeah, I just man, I even even if Baltimore has all their guns, I, I just I don't know. I, I I don't think they're that good. What do you think, Ryan? I don't know. I keep going back and forth. I think I'm going to surprise everybody and say at home, 
uh, after getting embarrassed last time with recent momentum, I think that we definitely have a shot in this game. That's because you're going I will to go the game. Out a limb and actually pick them. That's because you're going to the game. You can't pick Hell the Browns. Yeah. You can't pick Absolutely. the Browns to lose and then go to the game. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's sacrilege. That's a very you can't fair do point. That. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I don't think the Ravens are that good. Like they don't. I don't know. Here's the thing that I'll say is it's going to, the game plan for the Browns for me, as far as like how this game's going to go is going to be similar to the Titans game. If the Browns can get a lead and force the Ravens to have to throw, the Browns are going to win because un, unlike the Titans, the Titans can beat you throwing because Tannehill is actually pretty good. Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. Like can't he's, he, he's still deficient in the art of the forward pass. Can he hit one? Every once in a while, sure. But if they can't establish the run and get the lead and they're trying to play from behind, they they have almost no chance. It's it's it it's played out. Like when they lose when they lose, it's because they get behind and they can't come back because they can't they can't muster up a, a passing game. And it's 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 going to be the thing that keeps Lamar Jackson from yeah, he was the MVP last year, but I guarantee you there are ten to fifteen quarterbacks as far as actually being a quarterback that at least I think I would take over Lamar Jackson. So the key is the Browns, like they did today when they jumped out to that 17, nothing lead, get the lead early. That's my take. All right, let's get out of here. So like I said, we're rambling. So hit us up on social media at the LOTL podcast and uh, catch us next week. We've got a normal episode of LOTL coming this week uh tbd of where that's going to be and who's going to be on and all that stuff because everything got thrown into a uh everything got thrown into haywire last week with the blizzard so um stand by on that but we will definitely have an episode this week so we'll see you then for steve for ryan i'm dan you've been listening to the deerfield gridiron lotl postgame show and we'll catch you guys next week go browns bye bye peace